All right, you guys can have a seat. Good to see everybody here this morning. Happy April. Uh, I, I'm excited for the warmer weather. I know it hasn't quite come yet, but April is supposed to mean uh, they'll be getting warmer here soon. So I'm looking forward to that. I know it's been kind of a busy weekend. Um, is, don't, don't raise your hands, but is anyone here feeling a little bit stressed right now? Kind of en- entered into April. I know uh, you've only got a couple weeks left in the semester. Uh, those projects that you've maybe been neglecting, uh, papers that you've been neglecting are, are uh, starting to catch up with you. And uh, I was thinking about where we would be at this point in the semester and where a lot of us would be feeling. And um, I specifically wanted to preach on a topic this morning that I think is really, really, really relevant uh, to probably most of the people in this room, uh, certainly to most of the people in our culture. And uh, I'm going to be speaking about peace in a culture of anxiety. Uh, stress and anxiety are massive problems uh, in, in our culture. It's a super common part of life. I was uh, doing a lot of research on this this week, and I came across a poll that was conducted on behalf of the American Psychological Association. And uh, some of the findings were really interesting. Uh, they found that 46% of Americans who they surveyed that are under the age of 35 said that most days they're so stressed that they can't function. That's almost half of people under the age of 35 that were surveyed said that most days they're so stressed that they can't function. They also found that 62% of women ages 18 to 34 said that most days they're completely overwhelmed by stress. And that was also true for 51% of men that were aged 18 to 34, which is pretty much the age range of most of the people in this room. So you think about that. That's serious, right? Like, those are serious statements to agree with. Now, of course, this, this is all just self-identified, but if someone is going to say that most days they're so stressed that they can't function, that's a serious problem. Or to agree with the idea that you're completely overwhelmed by stress most days. That's actually the majority, statistically speaking, if this, if this survey is accurate, statistically speaking, that is the majority of people uh, that, that are in this room, that are on this campus, are, are dealing with crushing amounts of stress and anxiety that can have a seriously negative impact on your, your life in all sorts of ways. Uh, your, your health, both mentally and physically, suffers uh, from being under too much stress. You guys are probably familiar with a lot of that kind of stuff. For many, this stress develops to the point of being a full-blown anxiety disorder, uh, which according to the National Institute of Mental Health, 31% of American adults will experience an anxiety disorder at some point in their lives. So about a third of American adults. And the same organization said that 22%, so about a quarter of people aged 18 to 29, experienced some kind of anxiety disorder within the past year. So if, if this group holds statistically, about a fourth of you have probably experienced some sort of anxiety disorder in the past year. Our country has a mental health crisis that's going on right now. The vast majority of us are struggling with stress, unhealthy levels of anxiety, and we have to ask, is is this the life that God wants for us? Is this God's design for life? And, And I would say absolutely not. I do not believe that is the kind of life that God wants us to be living. I look at what Jesus told his disciples He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. 
God is consistently called throughout the New Testament the God of peace. Look at how so many of the New Testament letters end. Consistently, there's this, uh, this uh, essentially kind of like a benediction of saying, like, may the God of peace be with you. Look at how Paul ends his letter, his second letter to the Thessalonians. He says, now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. We have a God that wants his people to live at peace with him and to have peace in their lives. Peace is actually a part of the fruit of the Spirit, something that God wants to produce in the lives of his people. He offers a way of life that is so much better than the one that we've become accustomed to that is filled with crushing amounts of stress and anxiety, and I want to share that with you this morning. If you've been with us, you know that this semester we've been doing a series called Kingdom Culture, and we're examining what the culture of God's kingdom looks like, right? And when I say God's kingdom, I just mean this place where God is king, where people live in line with him as being king over their lives. It's a culture that reflects who God is. And we've been comparing that to the culture that we find ourselves actually living in, right? How does, how does this compare? And today I want to show you that our God is the God of peace, that his culture in this kingdom is one of peace, and it's opposed to the one of stress and anxiety that we find ourselves surrounded by. So let's pray, and then uh, we'll dive more into this. God, we just thank you that you are the God of peace. Lord, I thank you that uh, you are appropriately called God Almighty. That there's nothing that's outside of your knowledge, nothing that's outside of your power, and that you've chosen to adopt us as your children. And Lord, I just pray uh, for, for everyone in this room, God, my heart's heavy in some ways is the burden because I, I know um, just how destructive anxiety is uh, in our lives, Lord, and how many of your children even are still struggling with it. And so God, I just pray um, that you would come and that you would move in power this morning, that you would set people free from um, struggles with, with stress and anxiety, God, that you would help us to truly experience the peace that you give. We love you so much, and we pray this in your son's awesome name. Amen. <clears throat> so we know that we live in kind of a crazy, stressed-out culture. But, but why? What is it that's causing all of this stress and anxiety that lead to those kind of numbers that I was sharing with you um, at, at the beginning of this sermon? As I was researching this, I came across a lot of surveys that would try to pinpoint specific things, right? Like it's talking about inflation or politics or, um, you, you know, just stuff like that. And that, that's fine. Those things contribute to stress and anxiety. But I want to go a little bit deeper than that. And, and kind of group things into more broad categories. And as I was thinking about this, I've identified what I think are six major kind of categories of um, sources of stress and anxiety in our culture. And, and the first one is just aimlessness. And by this, I mean that so many people in our culture do not know what life is about. And it's a very stressful and anxiety-inducing thing to go through life without actually knowing if you have a purpose if you're doing a good job? Am I wasting my life? I think that these are questions that uh, can cause a lot of stress in people's lives. Um, a second one is just unhealthy expectations. Many of us don't know what life is about or what we want to accomplish, so we let others start to set the standard for us. So sometimes we, maybe we get the idea that life is about you know, being successful, which can mean all sorts of different things to different people. 
but it's usually something that always seems to be outside of your grasp. There's always some need to have more money, more talent, more followers, whatever, something like that. Maybe family has made you feel like you have to attain a certain job or you have to, have a, uh, you have to get married by a certain age or have a certain number of kids or something like that. You can develop unhealthy expectations for what your social life should look like as you're constantly seeing stuff on social media, comparing it, your life to other people's, making you feel stressed, discontent, inadequate. And frankly, some of us, I think, even get unhealthy expectations on our lives from religion. We think that what God really wants from us is what we can produce for him. And we see him as more of a boss that wants results from an employee rather than a father that wants what's best for his son or daughter. A third major source of stress and anxiety I see is fear. Many of us are so scared of what the future holds. We don't know what's going to happen, but what, what we fear that whatever does come down the road, we're not going to have what we need to be able to meet the demands. We fear that we're not going to have enough money to provide for ourselves if some sort of crisis comes. Or uh, we fear that we're going to die alone. We're never going to find a spouse. We're never going to find someone that we can really share life with. We fear that we're uh, not going to graduate or we're not going to get a good job because we're not doing well enough in school. A lot of, most of us are young, may not think about death very often, but if you do, there can be a very real fear about what may come after life. And sometimes we're stressed not just as, because we fear what's happening, what's going to happen in the future, but we're fearful of losing the stuff that we already have. Most of us have so much, and every single thing that we own gives us another opportunity to be scared of losing it. Right? I find people oftentimes who have nothing are less stressed than people that have everything. Because <laughs> if you have nothing to lose, it's kind of, you can't be stressed about all this kind of stuff, how far you can fall. You would think that having a bunch of stuff might reduce your stress in life because you say, oh, well, you know, it kind of builds up this buffer I have to protect me against all these things that may come in life. But I found that usually what it results in is it just gives you more things to worry about. Um, I, I spent the summer in Honduras, and, and the, the problems that people were facing there were so much larger than the problems I was generally finding people face in the United States. Um, but I would also say, to a general degree, people there experienced less stress and anxiety than most of the people that I met in the United States, even though their problems were way bigger. And, and I, I was like, man, I think that people in the U.S. are so stressed because we have so much to lose. We're constantly worrying about uh, whether we're going to be able to maintain it all. <clears throat> Another source of anxiety I see that's really common in our culture is just the desire to control, right? Many of us are control freaks, and we want to control all sorts of stuff that we simply cannot. You know, we want to control the choices that other people make. We want to control the way that other people perceive us. We want to control cultural opinions or political policies that we don't have the ability to dictate. And so many of us get so stressed out about what other people are doing and thinking but we can't control that. Now, control is very different from influence, right? Like, we, we can be people that exert influence, and we should try to exert influence in a lot of things, to be a positive influence wherever we can. But that's very different from trying to control things. When I seek to influence something, I'm working within the limited power that I have, doing the best that I can, and then understanding that whatever result may come is ultimately out of my hands. When I seek to control I put a burden on my, on my shoulders that I'm not actually able to handle to ensure that a certain outcome is going to happen even though I don't have the power to accomplish that outcome. And naturally, what's that going to result in? 
Stress, anxiety, why? Because all I can do is worry once I've exhausted the actual power that I have to influence something. You know, another uh, major source I see of stress and anxiety is isolation. We are really relational creatures, and, and relationships are what make life rich. They're also incredibly valuable in helping us through difficult times. We all need people in our corner that we know really care about us, really love us, and will really be there to help us when things get difficult. And unfortunately, we live in a culture where people have thousands of friends online or followers, but many of us honestly don't know if we have one true friend that we can actually count on in a time of need. And this loneliness can create all sorts of anxiety in our lives. And finally, the, the sixth one that I just think cre- creates a lot of problems is sin. Sin is destructive, and when God tells us not to do something, it isn't because he's trying to rob us of fun. I promise you. I feel like I say that all the time, but it's true. When, when God tells us to stay away from sin, it's because he's telling us to stay away from something that is harmful. Sin has naturally destructive and negative effects on our lives. And one of the things that often accompanies sin is added stress to your life. It's actually a natural byproduct in many ways, right? If you tell lies, you're going to experience anxiety about getting caught in them. If you gossip, you're going to bring stress into your life because of the way that it's going to damage your relationships. If you break the law, you're going to have anxiety about getting caught and having to face the consequences. You know, there's, there's so many things that can have, add stress and anxiety to our lives, but as I look at our culture, those six things are really, I think, covering most of the reasons why many of us are feeling uh, the way that, that we are. And so if those are the reasons we're stressed in our culture, what are the remedies that I notice people usually try and do to, to mitigate the negative effects of stress? I see three major ones. First is that people will sometimes try to ignore, medicate, or numb uh, when it comes to stress and anxiety. So this is simply taking your mind off of the problem rather than actually fixing it. Uh, This is turning to things like drugs, alcohol, um, but also I would include things like binge-watching TV shows, spending tons of time on the internet, uh, pornography. I think pornography is oftentimes a distraction from our problems. All of these are common responses for people when they feel stressed and they're looking for some way to ease discomfort and anxiety uh, that's being caused in their lives. We're searching for some sort of dopamine hit that's going to take us away from the the unpleasant feelings that we have from our stress. Unfortunately, these things don't offer real solutions to our problems. And in fact, they can actually make our problems worse. Many of these things take a toll on your health, right? Like drugs and alcohol, they're As your health declines, it's going to give you something else to worry about. And some of these things take up your time, which leaves you with even less of it to do the things that you actually need to do. Now, one slightly better method I see people using sometimes is self-care, which is exactly what it sounds like, right? Taking good care of yourself. The idea here is that uh, life can get so busy, so demanding that we forget to take care of ourselves. And so if you don't stop and take time to take care of yourself, you're going to get stressed out and burned out. And I actually agree with that concept to to some degree in the way that I've described it. But the way that we pursue self-care is important, right? Mindfulness, meditation, yoga, mental health days, like these things might be helpful on some level, but they lack any real power to address the biggest problems that you have in life. A yoga session might calm you down for a little bit, but it's still not going to give you meaning and purpose in your life. 
Meditation might clear your head of negative thoughts for a while, but they're going to come back eventually if your mind isn't filled with something that's better. And so I don't have a problem with self-care as a concept, and there might even be some worldly practices that people find are helpful for a period of time. But these methods don't offer real solutions to our biggest problems. And they fail to powerfully address the causes of anxiety that we talked about. And, you know, one other major way that I see people trying to, to battle stress is by building up a fortress of wealth, right? Thinking that wealth is going to be able to protect us from all of these different kind of things that we're worried about. To some degree, once again, there's a little bit of truth in this, right? Like, having savings is going to protect you from some stressful things that can come in the future. It's certainly nice to have money to pay for an unexpected medical expense or a car repair bill. Uh, I'm not trashing the idea of savings altogether. Um, But I will say that there is no fortress of wealth that can possibly protect you against the biggest problems that life brings us. Look at this parable that Jesus told us concerning this idea. He said, uh, I'm going to read for a while here from uh, Luke chapter 12. He said to them, Beware. And be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, Soul, You have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, for this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds. And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If you then cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you men of little faith? And do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink. And do not keep worrying for all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. But your Father knows that you need these things. But seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Man, what, what a beautiful, reassuring message from Jesus. There is no remedy that this world can offer that can actually deal with all the biggest problems that life has to come. And that's exactly what he's getting at with that parable there, right? Like the rich man, he, he thought he could do this. He's got all this money. He's going to store up all of, all of these crops and these extra barns he's going to build. At the end of the day, it still doesn't fix the problem that he's going to die. 
Our culture's best attempts to deal with stress and anxiety may have some level of effectiveness, but ultimately they still fall short of offering true peace. God offers a better solution, and Jesus showed it to us in speaking of the way that riches can't bring real peace. The key to having peace is not to be rich in this world, but to be rich towards God. You see, that was the, the rich man's mistake there. He stored up treasure on earth, but he wasn't rich towards God. And so Jesus wisely counsels us to seek his kingdom first, and these things will be added. He, God knows the stuff that we need. He even ends by saying, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. We serve a God who literally, he owns everything. He's, he's infinitely powerful. He's the giver of life itself. And he's chosen that he wants to share that kingdom with us. What do we have to be afraid of? Why do we let ourselves sit in such fear and anxiety all the time? God is the only one that can actually give us true peace because he's the only one that can actually conquer all of the real problems that we have. He gives us himself and because we're with him, we have everything that we need. When we live with him, in rich relationship with him, he demolishes the problems that cause all the stress and anxiety in our lives, right? Like, like look at how he did this. We identified these six major things that are causing stress in our lives. Look back and see how God addresses every single one of those things. Rather than us being aimless, God gives us direction and purpose. We don't have to be people that are stressed out, worried, kind of just wandering around like a ship being tossed around in the waves. We know what life is about. Jesus has told us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. All of God's law and prophets, they hang on these commandments. You don't have to worry about wasting your life if you know that you're spending it loving God with everything that you are and loving people like you love yourself. Now, this is your greatest calling, and yes, you still get to figure out the specifics of that. You can wrestle with the Lord on that and all that kind of stuff. Are you going to be an engineer? Are you going to be a teacher? Are you going to be in ministry? Whatever. There's, he gives us great freedom to, to kind of figure out how to do that, but ultimately, he's told you what life is about, loving him and loving others. He's given us a clear purpose. He's also given us proper expectations for life as opposed to these unhealthy expectations that can get put upon us by all sorts of other outside influences. God's told us what he wants. I love this in Micah 6.8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. There's such a simple peace that, that comes from letting ourselves step back from all of these things that we let become so important in our lives and that we think are essential to our idea of success in life. And we step back and say, well, well, wait, how does God define success in life? Oftentimes it's very different and it's way less stressful. Rather than living, uh, having these really unhealthy, crutching expectations that we picked up from someone else about, I've got to be a doctor, or I've got to be a lawyer, or, you know, whatever. We see that God just wants us to walk with him and to love people. You know, we also see that God is a God that gives us confidence that conquers this fear that so often crushes us. We don't know what life holds. There may be some really difficult things that come down the road. Matter of fact, there almost certainly will be. But the promise that we have is that the God of the universe, God Almighty, is with us. I love how Paul gets at this, a guy who knew his fair share of trouble and difficulty, right? Look at what he wrote here in Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? 
If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who's the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Jesus is praying for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? That's a lot of stuff to worry about. Just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If God is for us, who can stand against us? I mean, we all have plenty of things that that can bring stress into our lives, plenty of things that are going to tempt us to worry. Paul was no stranger to that. Right? Like he was actually facing all that kind of stuff, nakedness and peril and sword and persecution and famine, all of it. But if God's forced, then who can stand against us? There's nothing that can beat us. And you see why, why Jesus gives us this command not to worry. Like, don't you know that, that your father cares for you, that he loves you, that he wants to give you the kingdom? He demolishes our fear. And because we have such a strong and mighty God that we're connected to, not only does he demolish our fear, but he also lets us release this this need to control everything. We talked about the desire for control being something that creates a lot of stress in our lives. The Christian understands we're not in control, but we trust the God who is. There is so much that we cannot control, but God knows what he is doing. And he can take even the worst things and make those things work together for good. I love this verse, Romans 8, 28. For we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's an amazing thing to know, right? He he said, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. If you know that, doesn't that help you start to let go of trying to control some of these things that you were never able to control in the first place? You can't control, but we have a God that's able to make even the worst things work together for good. Look no further than the cross if you need proof. Literally the only innocent person that's ever walked this earth was, was murdered like a thief on a cross and God used it to bring about our redemption, our forgiveness of sin. You know, we also see that God gives us fellowship as opposed to the isolation that oftentimes creates so much anxiety in our lives. He calls us into a real relationship with himself. He wants us to actually walk with him and and be comforted by him. You see this scripture all throughout, you you see this all throughout scripture, right? I mean, that Micah verse I shared with you earlier, he says, walk humbly with your God. Psalm 23, super famous psalm, right? Like the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. We see this idea of his rod and his staff, they comfort me. There's this fellowship that God wants us to have with him. Jesus called his disciples friends. 
The scripture consistently speaks of Christ being in us. We are unified with him. When Jesus gave us the great commission, he said, surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you mentally affirm a certain set of doctrines. That's important. Like, it is important to affirm a certain set of doctrines, but really it means that, that you've put your faith in Jesus to forgive you of sin and bring you back into right relationship with God. That you actually get to walk in that. And you know, not, not only does God demolish our isolation by bringing us into real relationship with himself, someone that we can talk to and someone that we can be encouraged by, someone that we can spend real time with and have real connection with, but he also brings us into a family. Like when you become a Christian, you get a bunch of brothers and sisters. And he calls us as a, to, to be a church that, that loves it and, and that, that church is part of his design for how he wants us to follow him. And that helps battle that isolation, which is so destructive as well. And finally, we saw that sin causes a lot of stress and anxiety in our lives. We see that God forgives us of sin, and he leads us out of it. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God calls us out of sin and into righteousness. You know, the beautiful thing about the gospel, it's the only real antidote to stress, right? Because with the beauty of the gospel, that idea that we are saved by grace through faith, it's not a result of our works. If we're not saved by grace, then we have abundant reason to be stressed, don't we? Because we never know if we're actually measuring up. And frankly, I, I hate this, but there's so many people that would even say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but, but they don't let God's grace penetrate their hearts and their minds. And you're still living out of this mentality of, I gotta prove to God that I'm worth his love. <laughs> and, and, and the Bible just fights against that and tries to show us over and over again, there's nothing that you do to earn God's love. He's given it to you by his grace. He demonstrated it for you by dying on the cross for you while you were still a sinner. And as I realized, man, look at the way that my stress and anxiety melt away when I realize I'm not judged by my own works. I'm judged by the perfect work of Jesus who died on the cross for me. That gift, I'm not saved because I did a good job. I'm saved because it's a gift of God, not as a result of my works. The real gospel is the only antidote that we have to stress and anxiety. It's the only thing that can give us assurance that we're actually forgiven of sin and that we're on the right page with God. And the cool thing is that not only does the, the true gospel free us of that anxiety of knowing that we've been counted as, as righteous, that, that we're forgiven of sin because of Jesus, but also that now we're called into life with him. And that God puts his Holy Spirit in us and that he actually calls us into these good works that he's prepared beforehand for us to walk in. And so he teaches us how to be people that actually live a new life, not because that's what we have to live to be able to get to him. He's already given us what we need for righteousness. But he wants us to actually experience abundant life. He wants to help us be people that do the right things. He wants to help us be people that lay down sin, that refuse to, to give in to temptation, and that walk in, in righteousness and do the right things. And, and it's so cool that as he starts to empower us in that and starts to help us see the world properly, that we start, we, we start to sin a lot less. And as you sin a lot less, guess what? You have a lot less stress and anxiety in your life. 
So if you want to have peace in a culture of anxiety, the answer is to come to Jesus. He wants to have a relationship with you, and he wants to care for you. He wants to give you peace. I love what Peter wrote in his his letter, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Every bit of anxiety you have, literally the Bible is inviting you to come and cast your anxiety on him. Look at the words of Jesus himself here in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. That's how you feel when you're stressed, right? And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I can, I affirm the truth of that so much. I'm like you guys. I, I have things in my life that, that bring me stress, uh, that, that give me the opportunity to, to say, I'm going to get stressed, I'm going to have anxiety, or I have the opportunity to cast that anxiety onto the Lord. I have the, the, the opportunity to come and, and, and lay my burden at the feet of Jesus and take his yoke upon me and learn from him. And I can tell you guys honestly, like this isn't just theory that I'm preaching up here. Like I have a lot of peace in my life and it's because of Jesus. It's because of everything that I just walked you through there. And and so man, if you want to be a person that comes to him and experiences the peace of Christ in your life, the first thing you have is, is like, you have to come to him, right? Like you have to become a Christian. I don't know where everyone is in, in this room right now. The, the peace that God gives, it's not something that I can just walk you through a 12-step program of, of, of getting it. Real peace comes from real connection with the Lord. And real connection with the Lord only comes when we realize that we are sinners that need to be forgiven of our sin that is separating us from God. And we come to him, we say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I want to repent to that. I want to put my faith in Jesus who died on the cross for me paid the penalty that I owe so I could be reconnected to you. Like that's going to be what starts your connection is believing the gospel. And then if you are a Christian, then how do you make a practice of actually walking with him? You know, right now we're people that walk by faith and not by sight. And because of this, sometimes it's easy to lose sight of Jesus. Too often as Christians, We have this peace of God that's right here at our doorstep offered to us and we don't take hold of it. We have everything we need, but we don't always take advantage of it. You know, there's times where I'll be out walking in the rain, I'll see the forecast. Sometimes I'll even choose to bring my umbrella with me. But for whatever reason, just because I don't want to deal with the hassle of getting out and holding it up and shaking it off and all that, I just literally, I'll walk in the rain just holding my closed umbrella. And it's, it's silly, right? Like it'd be a silly sight to see, but sometimes I do it. And, and frankly, I think that sometimes that's what we do as Christians. It's like we literally have everything we need. Like I have what I need to stay dry and I'm just choosing not to use it. And, and I think for us, like as Christians, God's given us everything that we need to be free of stress and anxiety and we oftentimes just choose not to use it. And, and so I just want to close here by giving you a few things that, that I think are going to help you learn how to get that umbrella out, right? How to actually use what God's given you, how to, to walk and experience the peace that God offers. And, and the first thing I would say is that, man, we need to be people that really let God's word shape our thinking. 
we need to be people that have our minds literally transformed. I love what Romans 12, 2 says. You've heard me share it with you a lot. But it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. This world is gonna tell you to worry about a lot of things. And in fact, there's even people that are trying to make money off of your stress and anxiety. Like a lot of people <laughs> that are trying to make money off of your stress and anxiety. Because if you're stressed and anxious, it gives them your attention. And if they have your attention, they can make money off of you. And, and the, the reality is like, man, we, we can either let our minds be filled with all this kind of stuff that's telling us why we should be so stressed and anxious, or we can read stuff like what we read this morning, right? Like, I don't know about you, but when I see Jesus sit there and tell me, like, not, don't, don't worry, little flock. Like, it's your Father's will to give you the kingdom. I don't, that, I don't know about you, but that helps me. That helps to start reshaping my thinking from thinking, I've got to do this all on my own. I better make sure that I have all my ducks in a row. I better make sure that I, I figure out how to take care of every problem I have and realize, like, okay, I'm not going to be lazy. I'm going to do what I can. But ultimately, like, I have a, a father that's almighty that loves me and cares about me. I hope that, that this time right here is not the only time that you're being exposed to God's word. Because if you really want your mind to be transformed, you need to be, like, consuming his word consistently. You're consuming the messages of the world consistently just because it's literally the world you live in, right? Like, it's kind of hard to go about life without it. And so if we aren't people that have a consistent commitment to get into God's word— to read it and to let it reshape our thinking, you're going to continue to struggle mightily with stress and anxiety in all likelihood. You know, I encourage you to memorize God's word. Uh, memorize, especially if this is something that you really struggle with, this area, then memorize some of the kinds of passages that I've talked about this morning. If you need my notes afterwards or my sermon, or I'll send it to you, right? Like, like memorize some of these kind of passages that we've been talking about. And meditate on God's word. Sometimes I think that when we read the Bible, it's like we just try to blow through it so I can check off saying, I read my Bible today, I'm a good Christian. Um, but the reality is you're going to get a lot more if you just maybe take a few verses and actually meditate on that, chew on that, think about it. Go through the implications of what that means in your life. I love Psalm 1, 1 to 3. I don't have this on the screen here, but it says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. Man, may we be people that meditate on the word of God day and night. And so not only do we need to let God's word shape our thinking, but we need to let it shape our actions. James 1.22 says, But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. It's great to read God's word. It's really important to meditate on it, memorize all that kind of stuff. But it's only helpful if you actually put into practice the stuff that you're reading. Remember, again, that one of the big reasons that we have stress and anxiety in our lives in the first place is because of sin. If, if you listen to God and actually live according to his word, you are going to have more peace in your life. Another thing I would say if you want to take hold of the peace of God is that you need to share your life with God. Like he wants you to be a person that has a consistent prayer life. Not as something that's like duty, but as like, I'm getting to hang out with God and speak with him about anything and everything that comes about. I love uh, what Paul said here in Philippians 4, 6 to 7. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, 
by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Anytime you feel yourself tempted to be anxious about anything, a test you've got coming up, a, a talk that you need to have with a friend, or a, a define the relationship talk with a boyfriend or girlfriend, or whatever, like, cast that anxiety on the Lord. Like, literally, by prayer and supplication. That means, come and make your request known to God. That's what he's saying. And with thanks, do this with thanksgiving. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Um, but there's this peace of God which literally surpasses all comprehension. The kind of peace that God gives us is different from anything else that we can understand. And as I said, it's different than anything that the world has to offer. He wants to guard your heart and your mind, your thinking and your feeling. So share your life. God wants to hear. He literally invites you to come before his throne and speak to him. And I also encourage you to share your life with God's children. Right? Like, as I said earlier, God's given you a bunch of brothers and sisters that are here to help. And ideally, this should be a family of believers that are helping one another consistently remember the kind of truths that we're speaking about this morning. And so, sometimes if, if you're losing sight of things and, and you're feeling stressed and anxious, you have a brother or sister that can come along and help remind you that you're a child of God Almighty. And whatever you're stressed about, it's really not that big a deal in the grand scheme of things. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. There are other people, other children of God, that want to help you have peace. And remember this. I remember I had a, a good friend that I was uh, reaching out to. He, he um, was not a Christian at the time, but he was kind of starting to explore Christianity, and uh, he would just come over to my house every Wednesday night, and we'd just read the Bible together. We went through the Gospel of Mark, and uh, he'd, he'd read for a while, and then he'd just sit, and he'd say, okay, so this is what, I'm, what I think this says, and I would just say, yep, or I'd say, maybe you should read that again. Uh, usually it was yep, though, because God's Word is actually pretty understandable, and um, you know, he'd just do this, and then we'd, we'd talk about life some and pray some, and I remember one time he told me, he's like, Grant, Every time I come over here, like, I just have so much peace. Like, I, there's, uh, I, I could be stressed out about whatever, but I, I come here and, like, life is just different. And, and that, that's, that's what God wants to do. He wants, he was giving this, my friend, peace. And my friend ended up becoming a Christian. He's following the Lord now. It's awesome. Um, but, yeah, it's like, that, that's, that's what the Lord does in our lives. And he wants to do that through his word. He wants to do that through his people that help with that. In some cases, uh, it might even be wise to seek help from a professional counselor that has a Christian worldview. Um, I know some people in this room probably have really serious, deep um, problems with, with anxiety and stress. And uh, in that case, it, there may be a Christian brother or sister that's really trained in spending a lot of time uh, studying the brain and studying these kind of issues, and, and they may be able to, to help you if um, you're really feeling a, a depth of a problem here. One other thing I would say as well, if you want to take up the peace of God, is just be a person that's thankful, right? Like even in that Philippians passage where he said, like, make all your requests be known with thanksgiving. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's a great recipe for a stressless life right there. 
Like, right, right, there's three simple verses everyone in here, I'm sure, can memorize. And rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you are a thankful person, you're going to have a lot more peace in your life. Rather than constantly worrying about what you don't have or what you may not have when the time comes, you're, you're going to see the things that you do have. Rather than worrying about what you won't have in the future, Thankfulness will let you see all the ways that God has provided for you in the past and help bolster your confidence that he's going to provide in the future as well. And finally, the last thing I would say is, man, let's just be people that accept our responsibility and that accept our limitations. It's cool that we serve a God who who created us in his image and we actually do have decision-making power. Like, you have control to be able to say yes and no to a lot of things. Like when, t- when temptation comes, you don't have to be a person that just yields to it, right? I think about what God uh, told Cain in Genesis 4. I don't have the scripture up there. I'm not going to go to it. But this idea of basically like sin's crouching at your door, but you have to master it. Like you, you have the opportunity to do this. Think of the scripture telling us like there's no temptation that sees you except that which is common to man, but that God's going to give you a way out. So like we do have a certain responsibility and ability to, to make good decisions, that are going to help us to have less stress and anxiety in our lives. But also, we need to accept those limitations I was talking about. There's a lot of stuff that we don't control. And that's okay, because we know, we know the God that's all-powerful. And, and when we understand the difference between these two kind of things, I think that's going to help you a lot with having peace. And you've probably heard the serenity prayer, or whatever I think they do, and like Alcoholics Anonymous and stuff, but it's just... God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Man, if we, if we do that, change the things that we can, accept the reality that there's some things that we can't, but that God knows what he's doing, like, you're, you're going to have a whole lot more peace in your life. I love you guys. There is a God that loves you very fiercely. And he wants us to be people of peace. He does not want you to continue to be stuck in stress and anxiety and all these kind of things that rob life, right? Like that's what the thief comes to do. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. And one of the only ways you're going to experience abundant life is if you learn to actually take hold of the peace that God wants to give us. Um, So as I close here, I want to let you know there's going to be people around the room uh, that they're going to have prayer lanyards on. They'd be happy to pray with you. Uh, if you're really feeling a lot of anxiety in that, do what the scripture says. Cast, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Maybe you want to have a brother or sister help you in doing that. I would encourage you to go get prayer from somebody there. Maybe there's just something unrelated you need prayer for. Then, then I encourage you to do that as well. But um, let's pray and then uh, we'll lift up some praises to God through our music. God, we love you uh, so much, and, and we thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are a God of peace. And um, yeah, I just I thank you that you care for us, Lord, that, that we can cast all of our anxiety on you, and it's, it's not that we're casting it on one who is, is harsh with us. Like, you're, you're so much stronger than us, Lord. It's easy for you to deal with the problems that are so hard for us, and, and I think of how we can be so judgmental when people are struggling with things that we think are easy. But God, you don't do that. You care for us. I thank you that we can come and, and cast our anxiety on you. Jesus, I thank you that your, 
yoke is easy and your burden is light and that you give rest to our weary souls. And so, Lord, I pray now, just as I've been praying earlier, that um, you would come and move in power in our, our lives here, Lord. Set people free from the stress and anxiety that's gripping them and help us to, to go forth from this place consistently as people of peace. Let us take the peace that you give, with God. We love you so much. And uh, we pray all this in your son's awesome name. Amen.